You're listening to This Outside Life Podcast with Lori Kaler. Here, we explore the lives of outsiders, those people who work or play in the great outdoors. At This Outside Life, we are committed to curing nature blindness and helping you step outside and step into wonder. Whether you're a bird watcher or a mountain climber, there's something here for you to learn and appreciate about this amazing world we all share. The police have been in the news lately, and it's brought up all sorts of things. What is their training? What kind of person becomes a police officer anyway? And a myriad of other issues are coming under the microscope. And it's obvious that being in the line of duty is a high-pressure job where things can go south quickly. But I wanted to know, what does a police officer do to off-gas all that stress? I mean, you've got people yelling in your face, threatening you, pointing guns at you. What do you do to offset all that stress? Do they sit at home and play violent video games like Call of Duty for hours? Well, I can't speak for all of them around the country, but I do personally know one officer. Charlie Eubank is my stepson-in-law and an officer in Charlotte, North Carolina. Carolina, North Carolina, or North Kakalaki, as the locals call it. Charlie takes all that stress that comes with the job and goes under, underwater, that is, to explore caves. Cave diving is a specialty branch of scuba diving, and it takes a special person to be able to withstand the psychological effects of being in tight places underwater. I'm a rescue level scuba diver myself, and I can tell you, I don't care how much money you pay me, I would never do cave diving. It's creepy, it's dangerous, and of course, dark. It requires you to sometimes remove your breathing equipment and drag it along behind you to fit through tight places. I get clammy hands just thinking about it. I have gone into the entrance of caves while diving, looked around, and signaled to my dive buddy, well, this is nice, and I've had a look, so I'm getting out of here. I don't stick around and explore. But for this police officer, cave diving gives him an intense focus and a thrilling experience that few understand nor have experienced. I interviewed Charlie at his home. And because I know him so well, I forgot the formal introduction, which he then did for himself. But anyway, I think you're going to enjoy and be fascinated by this interview with Charlotte Police Officer Charlie Eubank on the lure of cave diving. So, Charlie, you don't do this as a job, but you do spend your spare time doing something that most of us would consider somewhat crazy, cave diving. Yes. So how did you get started in cave diving? Well, thank you, Lori, for having me on the show, first of all. (laughs) Um, Welcome to This Outside Life. Thank you for sharing your 
wild stories with this. So how did you get started in cave diving? Yes, that's a great question. Well, I first started with my brother. My brother's a uh, scuba instructor and he uh, got me certified and then invited me down to Florida, North Central Florida, which is a very popular place to cave dive. And down there, uh, there's tons of springs that are crystal clear water and it comes from the Florida aquifer. It's basically Florida's ground drinking water. And there's lots of parks you can go to and go in caverns, which is just the opening of the cave and see if you like it. If people are a little claustrophobic or it freaks them out, like it does most people, it's not for everybody, um, then that's when they decide, yeah, they don't want to pursue it. However, my brother was not trying to get me cave certified. Sorry. My brother was not trying to get me cave certified. He was just trying to introduce me to the springs. And I'm glad he did uh, because I fell in love with the, just the environment down there and being outdoors and the, and the water is crystal clear. So... Do you need a special, I mean, anybody can just drop into a spring down there or do you need to like get a, like a fishing license or something, that kind of a thing? Yeah. Um, it's pretty regulated. Most of the parks or state parks are privately owned and they're not going to let you go into the cave unless you have certification to cave dive. And the reason you need that is because, um, it's a very easy way to die if you don't have the training. So... Who provides the training? Are like regular PADI scuba courses provide this? And then they give you a certificate that you can prove, okay, I'm, I'm licensed to risk my life here. <laughs> well, that's a great question. I mean, PADI is more the general open water certification. It's probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest. Mm -hmm. So someone will get open water certified, certified to dive within 60 feet. Mm -hmm. And after they dive for a while, then they can get an advanced certification and that lets you go from 60 to 100. And granted, there's no dive police in the ocean or in the lakes, but it's just a good idea to stay within those parameters and build the, um, the experience so you don't hurt yourself. So Patty does basic certification all the way up through advanced and then it'll give you navigation, deep dives, and, and they'll take you to cavern diver, but they don't provide the cave training. So wait, 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 what's the difference between cavern and cave? Right. That's a great question. The cavern is simply the opening of the cave so that you can still see the light of day. So you're in the overhead environment, but you can see the light of day. Once you lose sight of the daylight, that's considered the cave. Okay, so we found the difference between cavern and cave. So caverns when you can see the light, caves when you can't see daylight anymore and you're down inside. Yeah, that's when you pass a corner or go far enough so that you can't see daylight. And the agencies that certify cave diving is, just to name a few, is National Association of Cave Diving, uh, International Association of Nitrox Divers, Global Underwater Explorers, uh, Technical Dive Instructors, or Institute. I can't remember what it stands for, but it's TDI. So there's a handful of organizations that are qualified to certify okay. people. So what are some of the best places in the United States? I mean, you mentioned Central Florida, but is, is that like the Mecca for cave diving, or are there other places as well? Yeah, it's pretty much the Mecca for cave diving, and we're very fortunate. I live in North Carolina, and it's six-hour drive for me, mm -hmm. but North Central Florida, for whatever reason, the way the, the karst development, the, the land, it's like Swiss cheese down there, and it's limestone. Mm -hmm. So I'll go down there, and it won't be abnormal to see people from um, Europe 
a lot of people from Europe, uh, the Indies that have come all the way over there. They still have caves in Europe, in France, and England, and Russia, but they're extremely cold. And the nice thing about the caves in Florida is that the water is 72 degrees year-round, winter and summer. So do you wear a wetsuit then? If I'm doing a short dive within an hour, I'll wear a wetsuit, but anything past an hour, I'll wear my dry suit. That's interesting because I thought dry suits were only for like Arctic, you know, frigid stuff. No, like I said, after, and I get cold really easy. Some people can dive longer in a wetsuit, but I just prefer to be warm. And um, being in North Carolina, when we can't go down there and dive, we got to go up to the lake, uh, a quarry. That's an actual dive quarry. And it's got thermoclines. It's got different layers of warmer, colder water. And even in the summer, you go to the bottom, it's close to 40 degrees. It's extremely cold. So where else in the U.S. can people do cave diving that you know of? I think there's a few caves in uh, Arkansas or Missouri, but they're nowhere near the caliber of North Florida. Okay. And once you get outside of that, another huge area to cave dive is the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. So you've got Cancun. Everybody knows where Cancun is. And just south of that is Playa del Carmen. If you go a little bit further, maybe 45 minutes south, you'll hit the town of Acumal. From Acumal down to Tulum, Mexico, uh, there's tons of caves. And they have, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, over 100,000 miles of mapped cave down there. Wow. Have you done that? I've been down to, I've been down to um, some of the caves in Mexico, but I haven't dove hardly anything down there. But it's beautiful. So is that your bucket list? No, I mean, I w- I'd like to go back. Uh, I've dove also in the Dominican Republic. They have quite a bit of cave diving in the Dominican, and I've done a little bit there as well. So are there people that, because I know with scuba diving, you can go out on a boat on a trip, and they'll have a dive master, and they'll take you down and keep you safe. Are there companies or outfitters that say, we'll take you, your group, on a cave dive, or is it all DIY? Yeah, um, down in um, Mexico, you've got to be certified and you can't go with anyone unless you're an instructor. So if you're a cave instructor, they'll let you dive down there. That's the way I understand it. I may be wrong, um, but that's the way I understand it. So I'm certified, but I can't go down there and just walk into any of the caves. I've got to get a guide. Um, But the difference in the caves in Florida and down there is that, one, they're a little bit warmer down in Mexico or down in the Dominican, but they're also a lot shallower. So in doing that, you can stay a lot longer. You don't have to use as much gas. Whereas in Florida, the caves average around 100 feet. Some are shallower and some are quite a bit deeper. But most of them are within that, I'd say, 40 to 100 foot level. Oh, that's good. So tell me about your first cave dive. Where was it? How did you feel? Were you sort of feeling claustrophobic or freaking out? Or were you like, oh, this is just fun? Well, my first cavern dive, that kind of led to it. So like I said, I did that with my brother, and I really enjoyed it, but I knew I had to get the proper training because, uh, there's, you know, it's, it's very scary. They got warning signs with the Grim Reaper and saying that... Underwater? Dive- oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Trying to scare open water divers from going in because anyone can go in a crystal clear cave. Mm-hmm. That's not a big deal. But if you don't follow the three main rules, it's easy to die. And they are? Well, they are. You've got to have a third. You've you, got to take enough gas that you use a third of your gas to go in, a third to come out, and then a third in reserve. So your buddy or if you have a problem. So if you're under there exploring and it's real exciting, but you notice on your gauge, I've gone through two-thirds of my air, you have to turn around. 
You turn around at a third. Yeah, so you got to watch your gas management. That's a huge piece of cave diving. So go explore and check out whatever you want to, but be within that third. And that's whether you have two tanks, four tanks, or five tanks. Whatever your given volume is, you've got to calculate. And that's where it gets a little confusing if you have your buddy has different size tanks and you have diff, diff, dissimilar tanks. You got to take the one with the minimal amount of volume, mm-hmm. and then that's your baseline. Well, plus if you're real fit and you're CO2 breathing, your ability to, to not use up a ton of oxygen is different than your buddies. I mean, I've been with people on dives that just suck through their tank in 20 minutes, and we all have to come up. Oh, yeah, and that that's the cost of doing business, but that that's part of the deal. If you dive with someone that's just a hoover, and, <laughs> and, and they end your dive short, you won't do too many dives with that diver. But most everybody that's a cave diver is fairly standard i mean we've been a couple hundred psi off from most people i dive with and it's not a big deal so go in with a third of your air or turn at a third and then you always got to have a constant guideline to the surface and the reason for that is if you get lost and you stir up the silt or there's a cave collapse and there's zero visibility you can still get out with a guideline so who's do you set the guideline or do most of the dives you do already have one there? And that's just a rope, right? Yeah, it's um, twine or it's braided nylon rope that's in there. So the answer to your question is both. In most caves in Florida and down in Mexico and um, the Dominican, all the caves that are explored have permanent guideline in the caves. But you've got to run a line from the open water where you're in daylight into where the line starts. And the reason they do that is so that people that aren't certified hopefully won't go in further Hmm. without a line. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, you got to have a minimum of three lights. you got a primary light with three backups. Because one is none, two is one, and three is... Yeah, I've heard that from military saying. <laughs> oh yeah, you got to have redundancy. It's all it's all risk mitigation. And I've had plenty of dives. Well, not plenty of dives. I've had several dives where I forget to charge my primary for the second or third dive, and it's gone out on me, which is not a big deal. Well, at this point in the interview, I did the cardinal sin. I left my phone on and it rang. So I had to go rescue my husband from a thunderstorm and Charlie and I had to switch things around a bit, but we got back to it. I'm going to take this moment to say, if you love the outdoors, you might like my book, This Outside Life, Finding God in the Heart of Nature. It's for people who love sunsets, who love beautiful views, whose breath catches in moments of glory outside. If that's you, you might interest, be interested in this. And we live in really stressful times right now. And science shows that it's really important to get outside, that it actually does reduce your blood pressure, it boosts your immune system. I talk about all this in the book, as well as the amazing things out there and how they can point to peace in our soul. If you are ready for a new kind of adventure, you might consider this your trail guide for uncovering God's signpost in the world and revealing His fingerprints on your life. That's This Outside Life. You can get it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Now let's get back to Charlie and cave diving. So tell me about your first cavern dive. Uh, Yeah, so uh, the first class I took was actually a combination class, which was 
cavern and intro to cave. But the interesting thing is in the, in the training, you do your line work so that you know what you're doing above ground, like tree to tree or object to object. Oh, line work. You mean like setting your yes, guidelines? So with your, okay. Yes. So we did that above ground and then we went to the open water portion of the main head spring for Jenny Springs. And there, our instructor had us closing our eyes and telling the buddy that you're out of air. So I didn't know my buddy was out of air and he was crawling up my back and ripping my regulator out of my mouth and I had my eyes closed. So that was a bit overwhelming and that was in the open water. I'm like, if I can't handle that, how am I going to handle this inside the cave or cavern? Because that's how panicked people react. They just crawl on top of you. I got to breathe. I don't care. <laughs> exactly. And that's why he didn't let me know, hey, your buddy's going to come rip your regulator. That you're breathing. You either got a good breath or you're needing a good breath. And that's why you have redundant regulators and all of that. So the training was really good. Um, and the first cave dive, I, it, it was in training. Was I was jacked. I was totally amped and it was really fun. At the same time, very scary because you know that your instructor, they'll let you go in the cave. They won't mess with you at all, breathing up to a 30 or air. So whenever you or your buddy thumbs up, time to turn the dive, you've hit thirds. That's when it's game on and they start messing with you. Oh, so they purposely then start ripping off your mask saying, hey, I need your air. And how many regulators do you have? Do you just have one and an additional octopus or what do you have? Yeah, so with a set of doubles, you'll have one regulator. Set of doubles, two tanks, you mean? Correct, two tanks on your back, usually banded together. And you have two regulators or two two um, valves on each tank. So you have two independently working regulators. If one completely fails, you have a backup. Not only a first stage, but you have two regulators that you breathe out of second stage. So that's uh, added comfort and the reason instructors do that is, yes, yeah, so that you don't panic when it does happen. And also, you signal each other when you're out of air. So it's not a big deal. And I've had that happen multiple times. I've actually saved my current uh, dive buddy that we go cave diving together. But that was a different story. We were diving on rebreathers. <laughs> that's, aye, a sto- that's a story for another time. I thought I saw you... In one of your videos, which I will post on the website because those are cool, Charlie's taken videos of himself in cave diving. I thought I saw like a small canister um, of additional air strapped to your leg or no? No, I don't know what you saw, but it's a very gear intensive sport. Yeah, you have a ton of gear on. Yeah, some people have called cave diving and technical diving kind of like aquanuts because you're kind of <laughs> like an astronaut, but you're in a hostile environment where if you can't breathe, you're going to die. So tell us about one of your favorite dives you've ever done, the one that just most blew your mind, or a couple, whatever. Yeah, I would say um, always a new system is very exciting. So when I first started diving there at Jenny Springs in High Springs, that's where we got certified. Um, That was always an exciting time to go past anywhere you went past during your training phase. It's all new. And people ask me, why do you cave dive? What do you see? Oh, it's a bunch of wet rocks. But it's a sense of exploration and going where most people have never gone before, unless those that cave dive. Um, So you got to like scuba diving. Um, And for those of us that I guess have a 
a bubble off center. We like tight, confined spaces. And the more I do it, uh, I enjoy it. It doesn't freak me out. The things that really make me nervous are when you get into a, uh, a tight area and you stir the silt up. And we're talking clay. Mm-hmm. So when it gets stirred up, there's zero visibility. I've been in situations where you can't even see your bright flashlight. You'll see the bright glow, but you can't see your flashlight. Have you ever had to tamp down feelings of panic? Oh, yes. There's definitely one case where my old cave diving buddy, I'll never, it's something I'll never forget. Uh, we were at a spring called Little River, and it's a county spring, very high flow. So, meaning it's a magnitude, I think one or two spring, it pumps out millions of gallons of water every day, all day, 365 days, which is amazing. Unless, of course, there's a flood and then it reverses. So if the river level gets too high, it's going to push water back into the cave. But we went in and I was checking out a side passage. And at that time, I had tanks on my back. Um, Now, the current configuration I dive with is called side mount. And instead of banded together steel tanks, you have steel tanks independent and they're mounted on the side of you. The advantage is you can go into a little bit tighter places and not clang and bang your tanks. But anyway... I went into a side passage and got um, into a new room that I'd never been in, and my buddy didn't go with me because there wasn't room, and it opened up inside, and then when I turned around, I kind of blew the visibility by my fin tips. Everything, just my exhaust bubbles hitting the ceiling was knocking down a bunch of silt. Long story short, I turned into zero visibility. And I had to revert to my training. And so I started pulling my line out or reeling myself in on my line where my buddy was 15, 20 feet away. But I was hitting rock. And I forgot that I was in a classic cave trap, meaning it goes down at an angle and it pinches down to like a triangle and you just need to back out. And there for about a millisecond, I panicked. I took a big, deep breath and I was like, oh, I don't want to die in a cave. I close my eyes. And honestly, when you're training, if you can't see, if the visibility shot, the best thing to do is close your eyes. Because if you think you open your eyes, your your mind is trying to see something that it can't see. So it's best just to close your eyes, revert back to training, and then just go to touch contact. Obviously, don't let go of your reel, but realize where you are in the cave and just think through the problem and come out. But when I got to the line, um, it was rather dusty. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. And my, my cave partner had very big eyes. He was not pleased with me at all because <laughs> we were still fairly new. But we went into touch contact like you're supposed to and went out on the line. And um, it, we, we chatted about it later that day. <laughs> chatted about it. Okay. <laughs> what is one of the most beautiful things you've been in? Yeah, the, I would have to say the prettiest caves that I've been in are down in Mexico and or the Dominican Republic because they're shallower, so they're not as deep. Wait, is this freshwater or is in seawater? It's freshwater, okay. yeah. So it is, it's on the inland part of the Yucatan Peninsula. But down there, typically the white or the rock is white and it's not dark. And so it reflects your light really well. There's huge stalactites, stalagmites, some as big as, you know, three or four feet in diameter, some as small as soda straws. And it's just amazing to see what these places looked like prior to water being filled with water. 
Sounds sort of like a underwater Disneyland. Really beautiful. It, it's a cave divers paradise. Yeah, it's fun. That's why a lot of people go to Mexico to cave dive, but it's expensive to get there. So, have you ever dove in areas where, like, oh hey, there's a car, or hey, there's something odd submerged? No. What's sad to see is when you're down in some of the sinks and caves in Florida, you'll come to one cave system will go to several openings. And sometimes you'll find trash or people have dumped stuff into these caves. And that's just kind of a shame that mm. people are poisoning the environment and the groundwater. Mm. So no dead bodies? No. no dead bodies, but I have seen bones and artifacts in caves before. And that's kind of interesting to see. You can, there's a lot of the caves in, in Florida where you can see fossilized shells from who knows how many millions of years ago. Oh, cool. Yeah. So are there any caves you've dove in where you're underwater, you're underwater, but then there comes up into and there's no water. You can come out and it's air. I have. And that was in Mexico when I did that. There's a couple places in Florida where just the development of the rock will form a, an air bubble just by the way the, the rock is. And if there's enough divers in and out of that system that day, you can go up and talk uh, to each other and kind of take a break. I wouldn't breathe the air because it's mostly carbon dioxide and it can be dangerous at depth. But you can take your regulator in and out. I've been 100 feet down several thousands of feet in a cave and gone up and found an air bubble, which is interesting. But in Mexico, there's lots of rooms where you'll go down and then come up in another cavern uh, and totally open. You can speak and you can breathe the air. There's bats usually in there. Wow. So... The air mixture, I know, is it different for salt water than it is for fresh water, like what you fill your tank with? No, uh, most people dive air, just the air that we breathe is 21% oxygen, the rest is nitrogen, and you get trace elements. But nitrogen at depth, once you get past 100, I wouldn't much breathe regular air past 120. It becomes narcotic, and you need to be have a clear head because if... You get at depth, it's people call nitrogen narcosis, and it's like being drunk. And if you're making bad decisions down there, another way you can you can kill yourself. Wow. So do you prefer freshwater cave diving to open water, saltwater diving? I do just because it's cheaper. I really enjoy it, but if I had uh, endless resources, I'd love wreck diving. Or, uh, you find a big wreck, it's just like a steel cave, and it's in the ocean. Ocean diving is very fun. It's just expensive to get there. Mm-hmm. Are there any places that have wrecks or underwater parks in freshwater? Not that I'm aware of. I'm sure there's rock quarries. Uh, we have a rock quarry that they've sunk a bus or an airplane or a boat. And there's those throughout the country. And I'm sure other uh, countries over in Europe, they have quarries that they use to dive and train in. If you can dive in a cold quarry, yeah, you can dive pretty much anywhere. <laughs> So it doesn't bother you. Like some, I watch you on that video, and it's like you're squeezing into these places that look like there's 10 inches by 14. I mean, it just looks, it makes me nauseous to watch it. And that doesn't bother you? No, the thing that doesn't bother me is it's a well-traveled entry point, so you know what you're going into. Um, I get really nervous when I've gone on dives where friends or people I've met have taken me into side passages I've never been. 
and it's tight because you don't know where you're going. When you're going somewhere, a main cave that has a restriction, but it's a known restriction and there's plenty of wear on the rock, you can, even if the line wasn't there, you could see where to go. Um, that's not so unnerving. That just makes it more fun. Um, mm. In fact, when I get in the water, it can be a hot day putting on a dry suit, stress to get there. You have family issues. You got trouble at work. The minute my head submerged and go, goes under the 72 degree water, it's like everything washes away and it's really mellow. It's If you're working hard and stressed, and in a dive something's wrong it's it should be very relaxing yeah so this is very dangerous and i would think police work is enough thrills for you but no you you like this i do it's a it's an out for me um and i guess i just have a a different mental state for mitigated risk and Mm -hmm. not just recklessness but i do like mitigated risk and you try to um put everything in your favor but yes just some people are called to do different things and it's not for everybody it's i think that that says it (laughs) says it enough so what do you look for in a dive partner i look for someone one that has really good dive skills meaning um they have really good trim and buoyancy and what i mean by trim is your position in the water typically your average cave diver most cave divers are diving in a horizontal position. And the reason is you don't want your feet stirring up the silt or clay down below um, because you want to enjoy it and you want people to come behind you and enjoy it. So really have good um, situational awareness. And I guess that's true in any field, but with cave diving, you got to have good trim, good buoyancy, and you got to have good diver awareness. Hmm. And what was your worst experience diving? Was it that silt up experience? Um, that was probably the scariest, but I've had some really bad dives where I've had a leak in my dry suit and I've done a really long dive and I've had to do some decompression for an extended time. And you're just shivering, shaking, watching your computer dive watch, counting down the minutes and you can't wait to get out of the water. So I've heard you talk about diving with your brother and you're tying off tanks of air at different depths. Is that just because you're doing a deep water dive or is that part of your cave diving? Well, when my brother's not a cave instructor or cave diver, um, I've taken him into cavern zones and it's just not for him. He doesn't like it, but he loves going deep and I'm not a big fan of deep diving. But if you can't, if if you have a fixed line or a known location that you're going to come back to, yeah, you can leave your decompression tanks there. There's no sense taking them with you at depth because you can't breathe them down there and it just... And they're different mixtures, right? Yeah, definitely different mixtures. Um, If you're decompressing, you're going to have a higher rich of oxygen because that's metabolized and it helps you get rid of the nitrogen in your body. If you're going deeper than, I'd say, 120, 130, it's best to put some helium in the mix because helium is inert. And the good thing is your body doesn't metabolize it. It just offsets the nitrogen. So when you have those three gases, oxygen, nitrogen, and helium... You're mainly concerned about the two the two mixes. You don't want to have too much oxygen because it'll be toxic at depth. And then you don't want to have too much helium. Um, or actually, it, the helium, um, I take that back, doesn't matter. It's the nitrogen. You want to really manage your nitrogen nucosis. And you do that with the helium. But it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> That's the takeaway. So how does your average dive shop know how to do different mixtures for your deeper dives? 
Down in, I call Florida, North Central Florida, cave country, most everybody, every dive shop, yeah, knows how to mix it. And the normal mix that they keep in great big cylinders there on site or banks uh, is 30% or 32%. And the reason for that is most caves aren't deeper than 100 feet, and that's a pretty safe operating depth Mm -hmm. for that mix. So have you ever experienced this nitrogen narcosis underwater? So, yes, I have. Uh, the One time I was diving with my brother, and I was l- rather ignorant, and I did a trust-me dive with my brother. What do you mean by a trust-me dive? Well, one, I was barely certified, and <laughs> and he took me under his wing, and we went too deep on air. In my opinion, we were too deep. And I remember looking at my dive watch, and I couldn't read it. It would be like looking at the floor 10 feet away, but trying to read your watch on your hand but you're not looking at your watch you're looking you're focusing on the corner and I just remember thinking I am really really messed up I need to go up so the relief for that is go up a little bit because when you are at depth and you start breathing fast i.e. stress more nitrogen is being forced into your body and you can get what's called deep water blackout which is dangerous very dangerous So how far up do you have to ascend? Like 20 feet, 40 feet? I went up about 10 feet and kind of my buoyancy was not the best. I was a new diver and I grabbed a a stick that was nearby a log and just kind of made sure I wasn't sinking because that was the issue and it was freaking me out. So once I got neutrally buoyant, I was like, okay, I'm good. But I really wasn't good. And uh, we turned the dive shortly after that. We were close to 200 feet, which was pretty stupid. On a regular air, you were at 200 feet? Yeah, you don't want to go past... Back in the day, back in before the introduction of helium, people routinely dove past 218 feet. The reason that's set for air is your partial pressure of oxygen at that depth is 1.6. And the studies with the, um, the Navy and you know, people in past history have found that past that you're prone to pass out. So that's the set point. You don't want to push past that. Um, and we were right around 200. So we were pretty well narked, but I won't do that again. I'll just pay for helium if I'm going deep. Yeah. (laughs) So do you think cave diving is, um, growing in popularity or do you think it's kind of steady or are you part of this fringe movement <laughs> no definitely not i'm just like on the low level of cave diving there's guys that do really extended range dives 10 12 hour dives and they decompress in habitats and they're using rebreathers and very very cutting edge stuff and i, I just it's pleasure diving for me um, but it is growing more and more people are coming into cave diving and it's becoming more popular um, you just see more and more people getting into it they spend 10 hours underwater? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I couldn't imagine that. <laughs> wow. What, what character qualities make somebody suitable for cave diving? Yeah, the, the, char- the character qualities for cave diving is, first and foremost, you got to be comfortable in the water. you got to be really comfortable swimming, floating, being neutrally buoyant, being able to have those good skills. But at the same time, you got to like... The overhead environment, meaning rocks could be a steel ship. Um, you, you can't be claustrophobic. And I was at first. I was nervous. 
But nervousness and panic, you don't want to be panicky at all. That would be very problematic. (laughs) So sort of an even kill disposition. Yes. And it's okay to be a little nervous or scared going into a dive. There's been plenty of dives where I've done that. And there's been dives where we've turned it, just hadn't felt right. Oh, really? For no no specific reason, just like this feels weird, let's turn around? Absolutely. Um, and I, there's been a handful of those, but that's an agreement. That's another quality you look for in a new diver or someone that you're diving with is that it's agreed upon. Anybody can call a dive for any reason, anytime. Yeah. Reason for that is I've had a buddy have a headache before and he couldn't really tell me underwater he had a headache. Uh, but I've gone in at just that sixth sense. It just, something doesn't feel right. Kind of like when you go for a run and some days are really smooth and on and everything clicks. I've suited up and spent many hours and gotten geared up and got in the water and been a little stressed and started to go in and think maybe I shouldn't, but go in and after a couple minutes say, this is stupid. I need to come back another day. Mm. So you got to be willing to wave it off and come back another day. Which is hard to do when you've suited up, you spent all this money, you've paid for this air and maybe a boat or whatever out to where you're going and just say, no. That's true, but you got to think in the big, the big picture, is it worth it? Is it worth your life? Absolutely not. Do you carry over anything you've learned from cave diving in your work as a police officer? Uh, just stress management. Um, it's good practice for stress management. And you never know when the stuff's going to hit the fan. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Charlie, thank you for being on This Outside Live. It's fascinating. I still think you're crazy, cave diving, but thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, and so does my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, I don't know about you, but no matter what he says, I'm not going cave diving. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to see more like his photographs, and maybe I'll try to find a video that he had and put it on there as well, you can go to www.thisoutsidelife.com forward slash cave diving to see pictures of Charlie and get more information on this. Thank you so much and step outside and step into wonder in this outside life.